When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to your weekend Buckeye Talk. That's what we call it when we get the Friday podcast up late. Doug Maurice, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means. Let's take you through until Monday and we have some good info to share because on Friday we talked to the Ohio State running backs and we also watched a piece, small piece, but a piece of the second day of preseason practice for the Buckeyes. And then we talked with Tony Alford, Trevion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Evan Pryor, and Dallin Hayden. Nathan, sometimes you're not a thousand percent sure about the true freshman, but we basically got every running back in the room. So Yay for Ohio State, right? Yeah, I mean, as we were talking before we started the interviews, we were like, well, who's going to be here? And we were like, probably not Dallin Hayden, right? And just started preparing for everybody else. And then pretty soon after that, Jerry was like, hey, Dallin's going to be here. So, yeah, it was nice to to kind of bring him in. It's a small room, too. So it, it helps there. Right? We're not going to maybe get true freshman offensive linemen, but when there's only four scholarship guys in the room, it's easier to get the true freshman. Yeah, because we got Trey and Evan last fall, and we got Trey and Evan last spring And when they were two freshmen mm. just because of how small the room is. I think you can get away with doing that. Uh, let's see but what I'll, happens when it's time for the wide receivers to go up. But also, yeah. Trey was kind of very obviously going to play even last spring. I think that was mm. apparent to everybody. That's not as apparent with Dallin Hayden, but still good to, good to get him and kind of get him used to interviews. But also, we I thought we, we could learn some interesting things today. Yeah, nice guy. Likes Canes. Like enjoyed talking a little bit with Dallin Hayden. So good, good for Ohio State, good for Dallin Hayden. Uh, all right, we're going to talk. We'll talk about the running backs off the top. We did also get to watch the first four periods of practice again on Friday, just like we had on Thursday. And we're just gathering more info, gathering more info. So we'll save a little bit of the non-running back talk for later, but there are some things that we think maybe we're starting to learn that we want to get into. But let's start with the running back discussion, who's going to play, how they're going to use them is kind of the thing that everybody is wondering about. And what kind of year two is it going to be for Trevor and Henderson, right? Again, true, really a remarkable, I, I just want to make sure we don't lose fact, lose sight of the fact that he really had a really good freshman season. It's like it's statistically there's, no doubt about it. I think it's 1,560 combined yards rushing and receiving, 7.4 yards per touch, 210 touches for a true freshman. No doubt about it. Again, you can go through it. You know, he exploded against Tulsa and then was it as consistent in the back half of the year, that kind of thing. And you can go to plays, well, this or that. This is a super talented guy, Nathan. So let's let's dive in on, on Travion a little bit. I know you talked to Tony Alford a lot. Um, on Friday, what was the vibe you got from Tony Alford about this young guy who's very quickly not so young anymore because a second year college running back with as many reps as he's had, that's a pretty experienced dude. 
you know, Tony can be a little circumspect at times and not going over the top the way that he talks about players and, and or maybe even the way he just sort of talks about the room. We'll get into that a little bit when he was talking about the depth chart and stuff. But when he was asked about Trevion Henderson, it was like the, the fire hose opened and he, he had nothing but like great things to say. I mean, it's a, it's a guy who'd already done so much as a freshman, but the, the phrase he used, because I mean, I think one of the conversations is what he accomplished last year, considering how far, how long he was away from football and then how a year back in football gives him a better platform to start this year. And the phrase he used was he's light years ahead of where he was. So as you're mm. saying, a, a guy who accomplished everything he did as a true freshman to be light years ahead of where he was um, says a lot. And I'm writing a piece for tomorrow that kind of playing around with some numbers and looking at the the some historical things about how C.J. Stroud's obviously a Heisman Trophy finalist coming back. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, partially because of people like you that are jumping on that bandwagon, are like, hey, if he gets like, uh, if he has a better season than he had last year, isn't he a Heisman Trophy contender? Like Trevion Henderson probably shouldn't be completely out of that conversation. I was going back and listening through to what Alfred said because I was popping around asking different different people, and he was explaining a lot with Trevion. And part of what he was saying is the thing we have to remember is he played his junior season, and then he didn't put a helmet back on until he got to college. And right. so, yeah, there were times he, he used an example of like after the Tulsa game when they were going to practice on Tuesday, he was tired and just like didn't have it today. And Alfred was like, you're practicing. That's what you do after you have a week, a game like that. You get back in here and practice. We're not taking practice off. So it is almost like a that dude took a year off from football and then showed up and did that while also not really being ready to do it. So what happens now that he's ready to do it? What do those numbers start looking like? And this isn't like news, but Tony Offer was talking about clearly. Trevin Henderson was banged up down the stretch last year. Clearly, he hit a so-called freshman wall. But it is interesting that in contrast, you know, he talks about Evan Pryor and says, we'll get into him more later, but says he wasn't ready last year. These are two guys coming in as true freshmen. Evan Pryor was not ready last year. That's why he only played in four games and he kept his red shirt and he'll be a bigger part this year. They don't say that about Trevin Henderson. It wasn't that he wasn't ready. It just wasn't that he wasn't the, the in the best. He wasn't the best version of himself. And now I think they're seeing something that's closer to that and it's intriguing them greatly. The, and again, I, th- I think I mentioned this on the college football survivor show that I do with Shahan J. Haraja. You guys can find that wherever you find Buckeye talk. We ranked all the playoff contenders this week in according to their running backs. So we had a Trevion Henderson conversation again, that's for a national college football audience. And so I, I do I don't change my opinions, but, you know, we talk a little bit about more of the basics of everything with Ohio State because you assume, well, you know, this is people who don't ever. So I was bringing up like the J.K. Dobbins year two part of it. Right. Which is we've kind of had that conversation here and we don't. So people know what that means. J.K. was great in year one, a little bit in his own head, split time in year two, great in year three. Trevion is not splitting time with anybody. Maybe there'll be roles. Right. But it's not a split or anything. But Stephen, like. It's just fresh in people's minds. But honestly, the other side of like what a year two might be for Trevon Henderson is he looks like a guy who's going to be the first running back drafted in 2024. He's looking like a guy who might be a preseason Heisman favorite as a junior in 2023. He's looking like a guy when we do Mount Buckmore, Mount Bucker Flymore. Wait, I can't remember what we call it. What when we talk about the it's, it's Iron Buckermore. Iron Bucker Mountain Moor, 
when we do those and we say, who are the best running backs in Ohio State history? Then you say, well, you got to go Archie Griffin. And of course, you got to go Ezekiel Elliott. But man, now we're talking, Trevion Henderson is right at that. Like, Stephen, is that like, that's the upside of this. Like, is it not? You can't put that on him. I'll tell you the thing about Trevion. Man, is he like a pleasant individual. But I don't know how to even say this. Sometimes he can, he doesn't seem like a man yet, right? He is like, and I I just like, he's so nice. I don't know that he comes across. I don't know. Maybe I'm not even saying this right. He's young. and He acts like he's 30 and he's 19. But you don't forget that he's 19. Yes. I yeah, that's that's very I mean, much like he's, thing. It's, he he feels like I feel like I look at him and he I can like see him like grinding away in history class. You know, like like he's getting after it. Like, man, this yeah. is he is in the prime of his young life, but this is a young man. And maybe it's because I'm changing because my daughter's going off to college and he's a year older than her. And like I wouldn't want, you know, you don't want to put too much on. Maybe it's just about me. Man, he's a nice guy. A nice young man, Stephen. But boy, oh boy, the what could what this could be, Stephen, this year, right? What this could be is something that maybe we can't even wrap our heads around how good he could be. It's hard because it's going to get no matter what he does, it's going to get overshadowed by what CJ and Jackson are doing, and it might yeah. even so. It's going to be so much of a after the fact because even that what he did last season. We had our moments where we said, hey, Travion was really good, especially after the Tulsa game where you're literally winding up to bat as I'm calling him a home run hitter. But then there's also like it's kind of an afterthought because CJ was doing what he was doing and then Jackson kind of came on the scene. And so it, it isn't until those numbers are in your face you go, whoa, he was pretty good last year. It might be the same thing. That, like, I don't know. Is he going to have 1,300 rushing yards and – 16 touchdowns and nobody's going to be thinking about him because we're too busy looking at what CJ and Jackson are doing. And so it is almost like 2023 is going to be, regardless of what he does this year, 2023 is his moment to be center stage while right now he is just like a co-star. So they know they have to run it, right? I was talking to somebody. It's like, we know we have to run it better. Ryan day has sort of said that again. It's not that they didn't run it well last year. It's that maybe there were times here or there where it was really down to the nitty gritty in the moment. When the defense knows you're going to run it, they didn't run it as well as they needed to. I don't know. I guess I would say, did Tr- Nathan, like Trevin Henderson didn't necessarily feel dominant in November, right? Is that is that maybe as, as C.J. Stroud was like, oh, my gosh, C.J. Stroud just threw six touchdown passes in the first half. And, and as Jackson is emerging, and, and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and you're going, do they have the three best receivers in college football? And that passing game could feel dominant. I don't know that it felt like Travion Henderson the last half of the schedule, Nathan was dominating games. Is that, is that fair to say? Thousand percent. And, and and Tony Offord was speaking to that. And it isn't the first time this has come up that clearly he, you know, we didn't see Travion Henderson finishing strong last year. And there were all the factors we've talked about were, were a consideration in that. So it's a guy who, and again, everybody you just named, even those guys who were, you know, uh, second year players had that whole first year in the program to prepare their bodies for what last year was. And Trevin Henderson didn't have that. So I, that's a, still to me, the most intriguing thing that he was as productive as he was last season. I thought 
I brought this up the other day when we were talking too. like Steven had a good point on a pod that we were doing before that. Yes, this was whatever his average was for the season, six point, whatever last year that he only did that in one game actually. Yeah. And that was the Tulsa um, monstrosity. And the rest of the time there were some other games where it was just more still very good, still, still production that a lot of teams would kill for, but it wasn't like astronomical. And what I would imagine you'll, when I when I predict what I think Trevin Henderson's season looks like this next year, it's just something more consistent. You brought up that 2018 awkwardness that there was between Mike Weber and and J.K. Dobbins. And if we were to like go back in time and you were try to imagine, well, the J.K. Dobbins that debuted and then the J.K. Dobbins that ran for like 2,100 yards as a junior, what would that middle have looked like if he had really been the feature guy? That's kind of what I think this could be for Trevin Henderson. I think the challenge for Travion this year is like he's really good, obviously, but being that in the games that matter, and that's what was the problem last year is you got to the Penn State game, you got to the Michigan game, and it wasn't the same Travion Henderson that we saw, whether it was Tulsa or even Maryland, where he was pretty dominant in that game, or the Indiana game, even if he only played in a half. It's we're, I'm not you can't grade Travion Henderson by what he does against Northwestern. You're going to be talking about Chavion Henderson, depending on what he does against Notre Dame and Wisconsin and Iowa and the Michigan game and Penn State game. Those are the games where you want to pay the most attention to him, because that's when, when we're talking about Ohio State's inability to run the ball. Those are the games we're talking about when you're playing top tier teams. And the, the reason I bring up the idea of, OK, do we agree that he wasn't dominant in the second half last year? It's not to say it's not a criticism that he wasn't dominant. It's. What if he is dominant this year? Yeah, like Stephen, right. you said consistent, or maybe Nathan. Someone said consistent, right? Well, what if it's not consistent? What if it's he is destroying defenses? It's like, hey, you know, hey, what, what's Ohio State going to do this week? Hey, you know, hey, Ryan Day wants to get the run game going first, or get the run game going early, then set up the pass. And what if they get the run game going and Travion has like five carries for seventy-three yards on the first drive? And then it's like, oh, well, I guess we better get to the pass. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that idea, Nathan, of we have an expectation for this passing offense, which is be the best passing offense in the country. I don't know that our expectation for the run game is be the best run game in the country, right? But could it be with that guy? And the other thing is, too, with Donovan Jackson and Luke Whipler and Matthew Jones as your interior offensive line, right? Athletic tackles, but again, maybe Paris at guard is not the world's greatest thing. And maybe that's three interior run guys who can get after it. Paris is now in his spot. Paris is ready to maul people at left tackle. And Dewan Jones just lays on people at right tackle. I think the offensive line, maybe, you know, they were could be really good in the run game at times last year too, obviously, obviously, obviously. But Nathan, like that's the, that's the thing I wonder about that the the coaches know it. Ryan Day brings it up again. Like it's not only like, hey, they we're sort of having a conversation about looking back, like are we being overcritical? It's actually they were pretty good. They just weren't good when they needed to be, right? Whatever. And what if the answer this year, Nathan, is not like, hey, they are good. It's they're just great at it all the time. And I'm not trying to be again. I'm not trying to put on scarlet covered glasses here. But this guy's a five star who had more than 1500 combined yards in year one, when he didn't play a senior year of high school, Nathan, like, woo, man, if, if Tony Alford saying he is a totally different dude with where he was a year ago, man, that could, that could be something that maybe we're not even prepared for. Well, and 
when I said consistent, I wasn't trying to intimate. I'm thinking like, oh, you know, a good solid five yards of carry all year. Yeah. I'm thinking like like J.K. Dobbins' junior year. And again, that was this is prime J.K. Dobbins. So Henderson may not get to this level this year. But J.K. Dobbins' junior year, 2019, they played 14 games. He had 120 or more yards in 10 of them. He had three other games where he was essentially at 90, 89, 90, 91. And then the only game that was down was the Miami of Ohio game where he might as well have been at Roosters by the middle of the second quarter. And it didn't really matter actually if he had showed up for the game at all. Like it was just sort of a bonus to get him some extra yards on the way to, to squashing uh, a team. So like, that's kind of what I'm thinking of. It's, it's what you're saying. It's like, if, if, if he becomes more than like a, a flash in a bottle and becomes something more that, three quarters deep, four quarters deep, you're getting big plays out of him. So what does that even look like from a numerical standpoint? Because I don't know if the J.K. Dobbins stat totals are out there for him because I don't know he if he's – I don't think he's going to get the ball right. 301 times. And that, that's right, part right. of the – because right. it's like that season it was like best defense in the country, run game, play action down the field because we want to show off Justin's arm. That's not they, – okay, they might top 10 defense, all that stuff we keep talking about. but. TJ Stroud, Jackson Smith, the Jigba is still the strong suit, no matter how good Travion Henderson is. So I, I kind of I understand what you're coming from the J.K. Dobbins thing, but I'm thinking more of Najee Harris's Doak Walker award winning season in 2020, where it was 1,466 rushing yards, but the touchdowns were crazy, 26 touchdowns. But then he was also like a maniac in the past game, 43 catches yeah. for 425 yards and four TDs. So it's like, no, the rushing yards aren't blowing you off. Well, that's because he made up for that. It, he had 1,800 total yards that year. So that's what I think the impact might be J.K. Dobbins, but the actual numerical stat of it is going to look more like Najee Harris just because of how this offense operates with C.J. as a quarterback. He had 1,560 combined yards last year. Yeah. And again, we have we have to do an over under pot. We have to do an over under pot as we get closer to the season. What will we set Trayvon's at? 18? 1,800 combined? Rushing, receiving, 1,800? That's that's probably yeah. a fair number. There. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like and so, and, and like, by the Najee way, had that in only 13 games because it was a shortened season. So we're talking about yeah. a team who's might yeah. be in the national championship game. 14, 15, possibly. Yeah. By the way, last year, yards per carry. You guys know where Ohio State ranked in the nation in rushing yards per attempt? Well, it's Nathan, you want to guess first? High, I think, because Williams was actually better than than mm-hmm. Henderson for the season. Yeah. I'll say uh, sixth. Steven, you want to guess? Fourth. Third. And first is Coastal Carolina. Power five there, yeah. second behind Utah. So it's like, oh, oh this, ru- now. Yeah. Ooh, this, this rushing is weird. This running man. game. I don't know. I don't know about this running game. You know, again, it's, it's big. It's and stats aren't everything. Stats aren't anything. Third and one in the second half against Michigan, right? That's that's really what it's about when you're at Ohio up. State, right? That came up. What Tony? What was what what was said about that, Nathan? Uh, I, I yeah, I didn't write down the, all of the quotes on that, but but Alfred acknowledging that it was an execution problem and also kind of dismissing. The idea that it was, uh, hey, you know, this year you'll have a like a more like what uh, traditional offensive line configuration there with real guards. And and he was kind of like, hey, like when when our guys get the ball, they don't care if the guy in front of him is a tackle or guard. They just want him to make a block. Now, obviously, it's, you know, 
easier sometimes for a guard to make that block, you know, whatever. But his point being that uh, the, I think that that room has taken some ownership in fixing that problem this year. If you're an elite and running I, back, the first tackler shouldn't bring you down. Well, even Ryan Day, that was one of the things Ryan Day said in Indianapolis was like, mm-hmm. hey, sometimes you got to you got to run through that first guy. Like, hey, yeah. it didn't maybe it didn't go as planned. You got to do it. You have to do it. Would Ezekiel Elliott do it? Would Archie Griffin do it? Would Keith Byers do it? Would Carlos Hyde do it? Right? That's yeah. that's the issue. Yeah. You've got you have to you have to take care of that that yeah. guy on your own. And was a true freshman at the end of a long season who did not play his senior year of high school football, who was losing weight during the course of the season. All was he ready to do that? No. In a in a in a if in a situation where the other guy. So Trevion's a top 25 national recruit. Evan Pryor's top 100. Evan Pryor's like not ready to play. And Trevion, they're like, can you Can't, kind yeah, of be the, the most important you're, guy you're on the not, offense? Yeah, you're, you're ready to play, but you're not ready to be that yet. And so it's fine. Reasonable, like reasonable. <laughs> but now, like Nathan, like, like he's ready. Like Trevion, yes. like Tony Alfred is saying he's ready. So what does ready Travion look like? The first words out of Tony Alford's mouth in relation to Trevon Henderson today were, quote, he's a pro. And some of that is him talking about his approach and the fact that he now has become a a, a voice on this team. Uh, Even the things we were talking about before, how you still remember how, how young he is, how young he sometimes looks, not necessarily acts, but just like his, his overall demeanor. Uh, but he still has like some some gravitas on this team. And when people when he talks, people listen when uh, um, there's a lot of respect in the uh, throughout the team for him. And I think that tells me, again, that that's something that is earned uh, not just through performance, but through all of that stuff that happens that we never see. So. The, the maturity, the growth, I think, are, are crucial for him because the talent, I think if anything, la- last year showed us that like raw talent isn't the whole thing, that there are other factors that go into it. And but at the same time, Ohio State is glad that he has the raw talent he has, because that is going to be at the end of the year, at the end of the day, the differentiator. Raw talent can get you to 10 and 2. Yeah. The rest well, of the point, but more to the point, get you to 15 and 0. Well, the more to the point, the raw talent didn't have anything to do with why he could or couldn't get that yard or on the field sometimes even in some of those games. Yeah, yeah. but it does put you in situations where now you're trying to rush it and you flinch on the goal line against Penn State and get a false start. Yeah, no, because he's trying too hard because he's yeah. trying because he didn't get it. I mean, I I remember writing about that and talking to Tony Alford about that after it happened because yep. he didn't get it on the play before and then he was all no, geared up and jacked up to try to get it and then he gets mm-hmm. leaning too hard and it's like, you know what? That that's like a that's a, a like an 18-year-old kid wanting it a little bit too much. But mm-hmm. again, remember, you have to remember like what Ezekiel Elliott did his freshman year, his first year on campus, which was basically nothing because mm-hmm. Dontre Wilson was the true freshman who kind of played that year and Zeke kind of didn't do anything. And Zeke actually didn't become Zeke until the like middle of year season. two. And then it was like, Oh yeah, no that. Oh, okay. And, and so everything Travion Henderson. Now the difference is it's why JK Dobbins is a good comparison. Cause JK Dobbins was coming in camp. He's coming in camp. He's coming in camp. Oh my gosh. Get ready for this guy. Boom. 
shot out of a cannon against Indiana, whatever it was, 160 yards in his first game, right? Like that, and then carrying that load. So um, I just think a lot of reason for a lot of optimism. And I, I you know, I was at Trebion a little bit talking with him, um, said he's a pound under the weight he wants to be at right now. So he's still trying to gain. And he was talking about, I felt it. All these guys, you lose weight during the year. Like you lose weight, it just falls off you. And he's and he felt it. Like he felt himself like by the end of the year, um, I, I could, and I don't want that to happen again. So he's trying to get himself geared up for that. But um, this seems like a hard yes. time of year to gain weight too, though. Like, no, I know it's, not, it's, it's like not you got stifling hit. out there, but it's, you know, no, but then it's, it's, I think it's a little different when you do all that and then you go up in the cafeteria and you carbo low, carbo low, carbo low and put it all right back in you. It's a little harder to do that during the season when it's yeah. more about maintaining than, I wouldn't say bulking right now, but it's more just like trying to prepare for a season. Because I was kind of asking guys yeah. today, like, you know, hey, what's like the thing you like to eat, like your guilty pleasure? And he's like, man, I'm eating everything right now. I, mm-hmm. I'm eating all I can because I'm trying to gain weight. I got to keep like eating. I, I got to keep eating. <laughs> so That's um, interesting. They, they, they have trouble keeping weight on during the season. The season is when I tend to put on my weight because we eat like trash. Hmm. And then I spend yeah. the entire spring taking it right back off. So, like, maybe we should link up. I should. Ask Mick if you can, or just ask Ryan Day if you can go through one of the a quick two-hour practice and see what that does yeah. for you. So, okay, I just, easy guy to appreciate, easy guy to, uh, Nathan, the, the thing, I'm just repeating myself, he, his, his yards per carry, his touches compared to like anybody in the country, who's not like a guy, you know, not a third 300 carry guy, like no, was still heavy. Like they right. did not ease him into anything. And as much as like down the stretch, sometimes oh. like, oh, he's not getting 20 carries a game. It's like, they did not ease him in. He had a couple huge games, but this guy carried more of a load than a lot of other big time backs who were coming back in college football this year. And he did it kind of maybe not being completely ready. And so I just want to make sure that, um, and, I, and I'm saying, cause I think I've, felt this at times of like, you know, it was good. It was good. Right. It was a good first year, but you know, maybe, you know, we thought he'd be great. It's, it was for a first year. It actually was great. Honestly, it really was. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm doing some, I haven't really just started the research yet, but I want to kind of look back because I remember you bringing this up on the pod about, Hey, you look at just power five backs who are back there aren't that many that did what he did. So I kind of want to take a historical look like freshman power five backs. How many of them have really had first years like this? And then what did year two look like and how many of them yeah. took a jump in year two and what did that mean? And um, I think that's going to be an interesting, maybe it'll tell us something, maybe it won't, but I agree with you that I just, I've had this in my head for a little while. Uh, Cause I remember last year we were talking about Ohio state's Heisman trophy chances, like in mid season. We were like, who who should be who should be the front yeah. runner? And I think I was even making a case for Henderson at that point, without factoring in things like thinking about his stamina for the second half of a season. But I'm probably kind of still back on that train to start this year. That it's probably a name that voters will still be thinking about at the end of this year. And I do think one of the other points, you know, Stephen, you were kind of talking about this at the end of last year. We knew that Travion was dealing with a nagging thing, right? And it is a little bit like Chase Young kind of had a nagging thing through 2018 when he had 10 sacks and he was good. He was good. He was good. Of course, Trey, Chase Young was good. And then in 2019, he was Chase Young, right? So again, 
Yeah. Every, nobody's healthy by the end of a, of a football season. But if he doesn't have that same kind of nagging thing, which a lot of that is, you know, part of it is your, your body being ready for it. So his body's more ready. Part of it's luck. So if he doesn't have that also, it's another contributing fact because we saw what's the difference between Chase Young with a nagging injury and without is the difference between a very good college football player and a dominant force that maybe is, was one of the best defensive players of the decade. That could be Travion too. Yeah, there's a big difference between it's been a long year and you're not at 100% versus there's this thing that is keeping you from being able to do what you do out here. And yep. that was the thing with the ankles. It's like you can't bend the edge without your ankles. You can't cut without your knee. So if if Travion if, – even if his knee is 85% when we get to December, that's better than it being 45%. Can't bend the edge without your ankles. Can't cut without your knee. These are the rules of football, according to Stephen Means. And you also can't throw a football if, according to C.J. Stroud, your shoulder is falling off of its socket. You cannot throw a football if your shoulder's falling off. We'll work it out. It's it's kind of like head, shoulders, knees, and toes, right? But it's the football version of that. Like all the things that that might – that might get hurt during a football season that might prevent you from being your best. It's so, yeah, it's like in which for each position, which one of those spots can they not afford to get hurt? What's your most important, the most important body part at each football, each position. football position? Yep. So, okay. I'm every Is interview. It, I'm just, Hey, uh, yeah, just, uh, uh, Matthew Jones real quick. What's your most important body part? And then I'll be escorted out of the facility. <laughs> Is it still neck for linebackers? Stephanie's oh. neck for linebackers. Now I have to call the Saints and ask if I can talk to Pete. Okay. <laughs> I, I love when we work out story ideas. Uh, one more other story idea, Nathan. Just probably write this down. And I guess it's not just statistical, but it certainly is influenced by stats. How many times has a college football team had the best quarterback, best receiver, and best running back in the country on the same team? Like who would, how many teams could? Now, maybe, I guess, I maybe like, would Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith be it? But I don't think no. anyone thought Mac Jones was the best quarterback in the country. No, no. Right? Like mm-hmm. Joe it's... Burrow, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, no. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I don't think anyone thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the best running you back might in the have, country. You honestly might have to go back to when USC had Reggie Bush, Dwayne Jarrett, and Matt Lenart for that. Okay. that That's actually interesting. We, we, we might not have to do that exercise in August. We don't want to get the card ahead yeah, of the yeah, horse. Not. If, <laughs> if they're all... If after if on October 1st, the three of them are looking like the best. Hey, if you're having a college football conversation, who's the best quarterback in the country? I think it's CJ Stroud. That's a reasonable pick. And you can do the same with JSN and the same with Travion. Then maybe then maybe we can start asking that question. All right. Quick break. We'll come back. Talk about some other running backs next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice back with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. And I was at Mayan Williams for a bit. Um, he was talking about when he was young, when he got into football, he said he kind of had like an anger issue. And that's why his mom got him into football. So he's like started running angry, running angry when he was like 10 and 11. And then he kind of worked it out. And he sort of like one day someone said when he was 12, I, he thought someone said like, hey, are you angry? And he's like, no, not really. I'm good. And it was like, okay, like, great. But he still then keep that, right? I mean, he's, you know, kind of powerful back, shaped that way, still has that in him. 
So he said he's like tried to drop some weight, um, but get even faster. And uh, there was somebody I talked to on just a little conversation on Friday that said like, he's a draft pick, right? Like what's your valuation of mine? Williams like, well, he's going to get picked in the NFL draft at some point. So, okay, well, that's not so bad. Um, I have not been most of the time, like much of a, like, oh, well, you know, is he a difference maker? Is he a guy who really should like, you know, not take carries away from Travion, but like, isn't he really like kind of a backup, like a true backup. And then, you know, of course, Travion's going to get tired. You got to play him a little bit. He had that moment against Clemson. People were talking about like, you're what's the best moment of your career. And he was talking about that. It's like, that's the one that put me on the map and everyone kind of realized what I could do. Nathan, I would say I'd been a bit of a Mayan Williams skeptic, but maybe I'm wrong. So I'm open to that. It feels like, you know, he's readying himself for a role. Nobody's saying he's Travion Henderson. He's different than Pryor and Henderson, sort of in his build and his style. And he was sort of talking like maybe he will be the guy on third and one or third and two, which again, that specific version, I just really truly wonder about that. But maybe I'm wrong on that too. So Nathan, do I need to be prepared for like a really, really productive, important, vital guy with a role, Mayan Williams, that maybe I have not been prepared for to this point? My supposition is it's still just a version of what we saw last year. It could be a better version of that, but you're still yeah. at best the second thing behind Trevor Henderson. You know, I think the skepticism you're talking about is warranted. I mean, people were really excited by the flash that they saw at the end of that 2020 season. I think it was warranted to say, okay, that was like 14 snaps <laughs> spread over like three games. Like, let's, yeah, let's, let's <laughs> yeah. hold on. Let's, let's hold on a second. And then last year, it's a very solid season, but also take away 71 yards when he ran the wrong way. And so did the rest of the Minnesota defense. Like, you know, things like that. I think it's okay. It's just perspective. It's just keeping perspective on what we're seeing. That doesn't mean he isn't though what this team needs, which is a productive second back, whatever you look like, whatever you are, as long as the first back is healthy and producing, then the second back can be Trevon or can be Mayan Williams. I, right. Like, I, I don't think that's something that holds this team back. Um, it's the it's but as long as that is the case, as long as Trevor Henderson is still the lead back. And maybe that's it. Maybe just like be prepared for Mayan Williams to be a, a, a quite good number two running back in the Big Ten. Like a quite good because, again, we were going through depth chart stuff when we were talking about the best running back rooms among playoff contenders, like, okay, well, Michigan has Blake Corm, Ed Donovan Edwards, and Alabama has Jameer Gibbs, a transfer from Georgia Tech, but they have Trey Saunders, they have um, uh, Jace McClellan, you know, they have some other dudes. It's like, okay, well, is Ohio State as deep as them? And then Clemson has Will Shipley, a five-star who was hurt a little bit last year as our lead back. They also have Kobe Pace. They also have this guy who was a freshman last year who looked pretty good. It's like, okay, well, maybe Ohio State's like, maybe not quite as deep as some other teams, but maybe they are Steven. Maybe they are. Cause maybe like, Hey, Mayan Williams, man, what else do you want? This is a real dude. You can put out there when it matters. They, the combination of Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams and master Teague was 321 carries. Travion Henderson got 60% of that. Mayan Williams got 20% of that. And master Teague got 20% of that. So if that's how all three of those guys play, you just take out master Teague and insert, Evan prior. Okay. That makes sense. Even if the numbers are higher or lower, cause you're playing more games, but the problem is 
these three are something that sounds like a good idea, but Ohio State never uses its running backs that way, where Travion is an elite, elite number one running back. Evan Pryor, quite frankly, does have some Curtis Samuel in him, especially in the, as a passing threat out of the backfield. But there's Ohio State's never used third down running backs like that. And Mayan Williams, I mean, the way you were talking to him today, Travion Henderson said he likes to split people's faces. He sounds like an elite short yardage back. But Ohio State doesn't use its running back room like that. If we had, maybe they will this year, knock on wood. I don't know. That's, I've never seen it before. So until I see something different, I'm just going to assume they're not going to do it. But they could do it this year with these three because of what their skill sets are. It's interesting that Mike Williams said that, Doug, because that's not the way Tony Alford ever talks about this room. Right. Yeah. And because whenever we've talked about this in the past, I, you know, a good example was 2020 when it was Master Teague and Trey Sermon. You're like, okay, well, there's two very complimentary backs, right? Couldn't, isn't there some, and he's like, no, we want everybody to be able to do everything. We want to know, we want, when we put a guy on the field, the other team can't anticipate what that guy's on the field for. That he does, he has all the skill set. So I think though, Tony Offord would, and it's his player, Tony Offord is, has his players' backs as, as much or more than any coach i've ever been around he he would tell you that he thinks mayan williams has that i don't think he's going to argue that he has it to the extent that trevion henderson does but there's even a weird thing today where during the interview something i brought up about mayan williams and tony got kind of upset about people like talking down about mayan williams and like i we hear when people it makes me mad when people talk about his players like that so then i asked him like so like, well, how do you feel like he's being overlooked or whatever? He's like, what do you mean overlooked? Uh, who's overlooking him? Like, we don't overlook him. I'm like, no, you just said like you feel it became this whole like, you guys are both smiling because you weren't. I don't think either one of you were there, but you can probably completely envision people can go watch the I was trying to just get some clarity. Really, I was trying to get him to say, oh, people don't understand. Mayan Williams actually does this. Maybe you guys don't see it, but this is what. But no, it, he, he made it more about like back when they whiffed on three top running back prospects and they took mine Williams instead and people were criticizing him. Then he still has a burr in his saddle about that. No, you know what I think it's an old Wyoming saying, because I went back and I was listening to that interaction between you two. He used some coach speak. You called him out about it. And then he tried to like backpedal it and find a way to still win the conversation when no one at this point, fine. Mayan Williams was probably underrated as a recruit. Cool. Whatever. But also Ohio state gets a guy in the three hundreds, And of course, everyone's going to think, Oh, he's actually better than this because he's coming to Ohio state. Whatever. The point of the matter is whether Mayan Williams can do all those things or not, that doesn't mean it's the best thing he brings to the table. The best thing he brings to the table might be the fact that he runs crazy and wants to split people's faces and stuff like that. It's not downplaying the other parts of his game. It's just saying this is the thing that he is best at. And the other thing, my Williams said he's he's lost like six pounds. Yeah. Which like yeah. to me, like me losing six pounds doesn't wouldn't no one would care. But like him losing six pounds is interesting. If it came with if it came with like muscle growth and stuff, you know what I mean? Like that, I think we are seeing a he looks a little bit trimmed. And like, does that give him a little extra wiggle? I don't know. Maybe there is a little something more to his game this year. That'll be something to to watch when we actually finally get to see them play games. I think a lot a lot of my view on this kind of stuff is is Ohio State wants special talents with the ball in their hand. And that's what they try to get every year. And then when they get one like Trevion Henderson or they don't get one like Bijan Robinson, then you can't just pretend that like then a guy 
who's not like that is just as good. And it's like, well, then you can't, you can't say Ohio state wants five stars, but then also say, well, but this three stars just as good as five stars. Like, well, what are you talking about? So that's the thing. Cause there, there was a time like last year when we were saying like Trivion's the guy, Trivion's the guy, Trivion's the guy. A lot of people were saying Trivion's the guy. And then we had like the drive the bus thing. And some people like I'm driving the bus for master Teague. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, that's not how, like that can't, you can't, that really is not the point here. Like you're trying to win a national championship. We're not saying he's a bad player, but come on. He's not Travion Henderson if Travion's ready. And I do think I may have lumped Mayan Williams kind of in the Master Teague basket because I just kind of always thought Master Teague is clearly a backup, nothing more than that, and maybe just like a good backup, not a great backup, right? And of course he had moments against bad defenses. With, I, I understand that. But long-term, he, I just never thought that's a playoff running back, right? So I think probably in the end, no, Mayan Williams does not trivia on Henderson, but I do think as a number two guy, he might give you more than Master Teague. And again, Master Teague gave you stuff at times, but last year when the conversation was anybody driving a bus for a running back that wasn't Travion Henderson, I just thought to myself, then why do we talk about recruiting? Then why do we look at highlights? Right. Then why do we do all right. this stuff? Because now you're pretending that a three-star is as good as a five-star. They're not. Doesn't mean they're bad, but this guy's special, Travion special, Nathan, you're nodding. Yeah. Well, if, I mean, if, if Tony Offer really wanted to show us how much he believed in Mayan Williams as a recruit, then he could have just passed on Travion Henderson and they would have gone with no. Mayan Williams for the, last, for the next three years. That didn't exactly happen, right? I, but I think here's the way I would look at it. You take Travion Henderson and you just look around the rest of the Big Ten, you're like, would he start at every other team, every other program in the Big Ten? No question. And that's the way, that's mm. standard. Well, Except with Braylon Allen would share carries at Wisconsin. Okay, yeah. whatever. Okay, but but you know what I'm saying. Like it's at least yes. at worst it's like yes, He's Big Ten level he, starter. Yes. Yeah. What my point being that the 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 starter at Ohio State, you should be able to say that about the starting running back at Ohio State every year, right? That they would start at every team in the Big Ten, or if there was a place where there was another guy, there wouldn't be a drop off. Once in a while, like really almost like generationally, there'll be a Saquon Barkley, and you'll be like, no, actually, that's the best guy. But it's right. Rare or, or, you know, some of the guys that Wisconsin has had. So now take Mayan Williams. Would he start right now? How many Big Ten programs would he start for? I don't think it's all of them. I don't think it's maybe. No, it's not. Is it half of them, which is still something, which is still good. And that's what Ohio State, if Ohio State has to settle, quote unquote, for that as a second running back, a guy who wouldn't necessarily start at every team in the Big Ten as its second running back, they can still be very productive and still be part of a, a championship equation. I might take that to another level, honestly. I agree with you, but I also might just think Ohio State starting running back should be generational, and his backup should be a guy we're having the conversation of mm. whether he can – because, I mean, we do that at quarterback. We, well – I mean, we literally just had a – like a year ago said, could Kyle McCord be the star, starting quarterback in most of these Big Ten schools? Well, if you have a generational player at that position every year, then at some point – generational doesn't have a definition you know what i'm saying like generational really to me is like ohio state's had you know great defensive ends but chase young is generational so i would guess is it yeah all american okay was jk dobbins was jk dobbins generational uh, probably not generational, but he was all right. American. Level. You should have an right. all American. Right. You should have an all American level okay. running back, and his backup should Just be making a guy sure that we you go. Yeah, yeah. You're, Just making you're sure right. we, do, we do. Yeah, we throw some of these words around a little too much sometimes. You're fine. All American level Buckeye starter versus gold standard. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the cream yeah. of the crop. And quite there's at, at this point at these skill positions, 
Ohio State should have an All-American level starter, and the backup should be a guy you go because he started pretty much any other Big Ten school. So Trevion Henderson's a starter here. I think I maybe I'd say there's three other Big Ten programs where Mayan Williams would not be the starter. Wisconsin, Wisconsin with Braylon Allen. Michigan. Michigan with Blake Corum. And Minnesota with Mo Ibrahim. Yes. Those are definitely true. And we'll Michigan's see how we feel about that as the season goes on. It's like Penn State's got some freshman running backs. They're supposed to be pretty strong. Nicholas Singleton's a five-star. Michigan yeah. State yeah. brought in two transfers, including mm-hmm. uh, the guy who lost his job to Braylon Allen at but Wisconsin still, last it's year. It's still proven but the point. I think, it's a discussion. Yeah. That's the point. The, the backup should be in the discussion, even if after yeah. you map it out in your head, it's maybe more like five than it is 12. Yeah, but I, I do th- I, I do think it's it's he would start it. I think my Williams would start it at least half. Yes, I think that's fair to say. And, and maybe more like eight or nine. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm just I want to be because here's the thing about all this. Just again, to restate. You watch the season, you get done with the season, then you think what you think. This is what I think about this football team and nothing really changes what you think. And then you get to spring football and then you watch and you talk and you adjust, right? Oh, okay. Well, now this is what I think. And then you go through the summer and it's okay. This is what I've been thinking. This Nothing has changed since the end of April. Why would it have changed? And now here we are. And I don't want to let it change on the conversation, right? But we, and we haven't watched that much practice, but the, what, the information about Mayan Williams, right? And then the way he's talking and the way Tony Alford's talking and you lost six pounds and you're faster and all that kind of stuff, I'm going to let that affect my view. So if my view is becoming, I think my view at the moment, Nathan, might be Mayan Williams is a perhaps fairly characterized as an important part of this team who can help them win a national championship by being a guy when he's in the game at important moments, which won't be all that often, but they don't want Trevion Henderson touching it 35 times a game. When Mayan Williams is in the game, he will do his job effectively. It will not be like dropping off a cliff from Trevion to him. And that is an important thing for a team that does want to run the ball consistently. And Mayan Williams can help Ohio state in a role that you cannot overlook. And he's prepared for that role. Maybe um, that's where I am, Nathan. So now, are we sure there's no chance that Evan Pryor could just surpass Mayan Williams this year? No, and I think I was, but I was much more like, like off spring, I'm like, uh, Pryor's coming, Pryor's coming, Pryor's got a little juice, man, get him out in space, because I was at Evan Pryor for a little bit. What a nice segue by you. I was at Evan Pryor for a little bit. Mid-season form. There, and Tim May was like, uh, God, I, I mean, Tim May continues to just kill it. I don't know how old he is. He could be 60. He could be 90. I don't know. He would kick he's my not, butt. If I boxed in May, he would knock me out in the first sure round. He's not 90. I mean, he's fit as a fiddle. He golfs six times a week. So Tim May's asking him like, Evan, like what gets you excited on the field? What, what do you want to do? What is it that you love? And Evan Pryor was like green grass. He's like, when I see green grass, I just want to run to it. You know, he didn't say running over linebackers. He was like, get me, give me some space and let's go, which again is sort of Stephen, what you're saying, like different skill sets, but you know, Evan Pryor feels more, they're all more ready, right? Obviously, but Evan Pryor is also more ready because he's gone from, as you said, Nathan, like not ready to, he's like, yep, I'm ready. 
Because someone was like, if you, if you were to go in, and he was like, a thousand percent, let's go. I'm ready to do this job. So Stephen, right, we just, we, we can't end this conversation by saying, and that's why Ohio State has the three best running backs in the country. That's not what we're trying no. to say, but they might have three dudes who are both, who are all three significantly more prepared for their jobs than they were a year ago. And Evan Pryor really might push his way into a role. And that's the thing here. We just talked up Mayan Williams and... That doesn't mean Evan Pryor won't pass him up because the same things all apply to Evan Pryor as well, while also being a top 100 recruit, which Mayan Williams was not. But if it's if they're not going to do the very obvious thing and just like have specific roles for the two backups, then it just might be a situation of like you have Travion Henderson and then you have what the situation calls for because Mayan and Evan are different enough where that's an okay answer. If you're playing Wisconsin and it's nitty and it's gritty and it's ugly, hello, my Williams. If you're playing Michigan State, where you know there's going to be a lot of home run hitting opportunities, I'd rather have Evan Pryor, you know, spelling Travion Henderson because it's like, okay, Travion just ran for a 40 yard touchdown. Now you got to deal with it some more because Evan Pryor can do the exact same thing. And, and I Travion being the starter does both. That 60 20 20 breakdown, Stephen, that you referenced from last year. Ohio State didn't get to that by playing Mayan Williams and Master Teague equal amounts as numbers two and three in each game. They sort of changed who number two was based Mm -hmm. on injury, based on stuff. And that I just don't believe like the idea that like three running backs are going to play in a game. Like it just is not realistic to me. But how could they get the 60-20-20? Well, Travion's always the guy. And in this game, Mayan was the backup. And in this game, Evan was the backup. And we've talked about that, who had the best week of practice. Yes, maybe partly about who your opponent is, but also who just brought the juice on Monday, Tuesday, yep. Wednesday, Thursday, Nathan, I could see that kind of emerging that they're both all there. But I just always think like, if you're the third running back on game day, prepare to maybe play some special team to not do much else. If the other two guys are healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, that's a good point that, about the, the hot hand thing. Cause that was a little bit of a factor last year and Eventually, it did become more like injury based. There were just games where Mayan Williams wasn't available and games where Master T wasn't available. Um, but I think depth is a thing to keep in mind with this running back room this year because we haven't talked about Dallin Hayden yet, the, the, the true freshman who's just got here. But Tony Alford said about him, had good things to say about him, but also said it's going to take some time, which to me speaks, I think, potentially also about a guy's ceiling when you're already saying that when they're a freshman, but also don't be thinking about them for 2022 impact. You know what I mean? So then you're really talking about three scholarship running backs who can help you this year. Uh, Tony Alford did get a a question today about Xavier Johnson, a guy who has bounced around at different rooms. Like, would he be somebody that would maybe they would look at a walk on coming back to the running back room to help with depth there. Like it's, it, it is a factor that could crop up at some point this year, because I don't know if beyond those three, they'll have anybody that they are really confident in. I mean, that's enough, too, though, because it's not like Evan Pryor. Probably. And, was, probably. and Marcus, Crowley, Marcus Crowley was hurt, but Evan Pryor wasn't really in the mix. He had 21 carries last year, so yeah. that's fine. That's what Dallin Hayden signed up for the Evan Pryor first year. Don't even think about it. Just develop, develop, develop. And maybe it's two years for him, but it, that's what he signed up for. I think three is plenty good enough unless one it's, day you know, it's, it's a sickness just goes around the running back room, and then you're yeah. talking about It's just funny. Different. If we go back 15 months and we were talking about like, my God, they've got like six scholarship running backs. What are they going to do yeah. with all these guys? Somebody's got to move and in steel chambers and whatever. And then now it's like, well, they've got three and then 
this kid that's kind of hanging around. It's it, it, that that has changed over. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it is, I mean, it, it is funny to think about. And that's how it always works, isn't it? You go from too many to not enough in the blink of an right. eye. But Steel Chambers yep. changes positions. Marcus Crowley has a career ending injury. And Master Teague had eligibility and decided to go. Right. And so that's mm-hmm. now you're at at three plus the freshman instead of six plus a freshman. But this is yeah. No one's saying it's yeah. not enough. It's like last year, it seemed at times that they had like four safeties on the whole roster, and then now they've just got a busload of safeties. Yeah, and they have a kicker playing corner because they don't have enough corners. Right. Um, okay, Nathan, you, again, were kind of the guy who was at absorbing all of the Tony Alford experience. Um, is there anything that we have not covered that popped up with Tony Alford that you want to make sure we convey to our loyal Buckeye Talk listeners? Well, again, just I, I want to touch on Dallin Hayden, even though I just sort of dismissed him, because it is the first chance we've really had to talk about him in a real way. And I didn't get to talk to Dallin, but Alford, you know, had interesting things to say about him, just that he's a guy who comes in with a high motor and a hundred, like a hundred mile per hour guy, almost to the point where they've had to like back him off a little bit. Like maybe he is trying to, to do a little too much. Um, but also a guy who uh, there's a serious sense of purpose there, very hard on himself. I think he probably uh, maybe like a Mayan Williams, you know, when Ohio state recruits a running back who isn't uh, a potential all American based on their recruiting rankings. I think they know that. I think they probably read their press that frames them as that. And they probably come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. I think that would be an interesting thing maybe to ask them about. I, I, I they, they, they more or less admitted over the course of their careers. So I think there's some of that going on with him. And uh, just an interesting uh, player to follow as he develops in a few years. Because we've, we've, I feel like it comes up once a week on the pod. It's like looking ahead to like 2024 and what that running back room could look like. He could either be a, you know, Mayan Williams Master Teague for that group, or he might have to be the dude. At that point, like we don't know yet. That's an interesting Steve, concept with running backs, just because he typically you're the only one coming in, and these guys have been around, so he's like kind of the only one playing catch up. Yeah, no, it is very different than like, hey, I'm one of five offensive linemen, you know, yeah. whatever, all in my recruiting class, and we're all getting the shock of this, you know, together. So I, I do think you, you had talked to him in recruiting, Stephen. Is that correct? I have, yes. I got uh, the chance to talk to him for the first time today. Very nice young man. Um, big basketball fan. Yeah. Was talking about Duke basketball. Was saying like LeBron James, like he's just someone that he watches and like his excellence is, is inspiring. Big Ezekiel Elliott fan. That's his favorite running back. Um, and just like a really a likes games. So just a nice, a nice young guy who is here to develop for a year. And um that's the plan. So, okay. That's it for the running backs. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the other things that we saw at practice on Friday on Buckeye talk. All right. Back on Buckeye talk. We were watching first four periods of practice before they booted us. That's how they do it. And it's nice to get your eyeballs on guys. Um, on Thursday, Steven focused on the offense and Nathan focused on the defense Friday. We switched that. There was, Stephen, one of the things from a, a, a defensive perspective, you know, again, you, you, we just caught a, a tiny, tiny little glance of, I don't think it was like, it wasn't an 11 on 11, but it was some guys sort of on the field together in a defensive look or whatever. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is the defensive linemen that were out there 
in the first group for the 10 seconds that we saw it as we were leaving. And again, it's one drill on the second day of practice, whatever. But there may also be just some, you know, juice about like, man, these young defensive linemen and they were on the field in the first group, Stephen. Yeah, it was a teaching period, but it was the entire defense on one field and the entire offense on another field. And from the look of it, the offense was putting their first stringers out there. So you know, logically, you're thinking the defense is doing the same. And what we had seen during the drills was Zach Harrison and Tyler Friday as the edges, while Teron Vincent and Jerron Cage were on the interior, which Larry Johnson's track record suggested, which suggested that would have been the first four guys you saw. But instead, you saw him lean young with Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimaloa on the edge and Ty Hamilton and Talik Williams on the interior. That's three guys from the 21 class and then Ty Hamilton, who's a redshirt sophomore. And Steel Chambers and Denzel Burke were two of the other defenders who were on the field there, like reinforcing, like, hey, we're putting out. Yeah, with Tommy. Putting out ones here, right? So like, this is. Safeties, yep. It's like, I guess you could put your third stringers on the field first, but like, why would you? So again, but they didn't like we're saying, well, we know steel chambers and Denzel Burke is, 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 mm-hmm. is as first stringy as any player on the defense. And he was out there. So um, Nathan, it's not, it's just a little bit of a, like a vibe, a little bit again of like, could they lean this way? So, you know, just kind of being around our eyeballs then at the very end of practice, like, you're, you're looking for what your eyes and your ears, right? And sort of on Friday, we had some eye stuff and some ear stuff that made us very intrigued about young defensive linemen. And boy, it can get pretty intriguing pretty fast. We don't want to put the cart ahead of the horse, but we're on, we're on notice a little bit to keep our eyes on that. Yeah, and it's always trying to reconcile sometimes what your eyes see and what your ears hear. Or vice versa, I suppose, if you're especially talented. Because yesterday, when we talked to Ryan Day, he did not talk about Tyleek Williams, I thought, like a starting defensive tackle. Like like first snap, first string defensive tackle. Like still very complimentary of the player he is and will be especially, but like still talking about consistently, still talking about being able to stop the run, like like trying to pull more out of him. And then, like you said, today we see that, or you guys saw, I, I actually wasn't there, saw that set up that configuration. Um, but then at the same time, we also see what JT two and Malau is. And then we were having another conversation with someone today who was like, now I'm hearing that they can't take him off the field. Like the coaches think that like he may have to just play 80 snaps a game, which is probably a little bit of exaggeration, but I don't know. Maybe not like that's where you start talking about, like maybe he is training towards that, that G word that we were using before. So it's, uh, what's, I, the, what's I, the G word again? What's the G generational word? generational. Oh, sorry. Well, you know, what's oh, hard about that? It makes a juh sound, right? So your head doesn't think G because it's a juh sound. The juh sounds of the G's well, always get me. Yeah, but no G word says G on its own, but just with the G, it has to have the vowels that go with it to make it a G. But, but, but if you said like, um, uh, you know, the G word and the G word was goofy, I would have gotten it, right? Because oh, it was a guh. You know what okay. I mean? Like it's a guh. Because when you say G, okay. it is funny that the letter G itself is a just sound of the G. It's not the letter G. Yeah. Stephen has lapsed into a coma. <laughs> it's uh, like G. Now I'm going to call him G Scott because I'm now going to be in my own head. With it. It. That's why I got I'm going to be in my own head. 
I'm gonna be like, wait, how do I say your name? And he's gonna punch me right in the throat. Like, just, that exact no, he's a very nice why I got, That exact I person not. is why I just got frustrated. By the way, no, that, if you if you want to get punched in the throat by G Scott, get in the time machine and go back a couple years. Um, because he's starting to look like an actual tight end now. Like he's not a no, big receiver anymore. He's he's that 6'3", 235 on the roster. I think that's legit. But what I say, open houses with Travion. He's not yeah. gonna punch anybody. What an again, helping out homeless people. What a nice young man. Him. G he literally goes to the him. same gym as me. He obviously Oh, what a doesn't. kind of a humble brag is that? I mean, I lived in a short north for a year and a half. I saw these players all the time. I used to go shopping at Target and see an Ohio State player too every time. I think for the first four months that I lived down there, I saw the entire six-man Ohio State wide receiver rotation to the point that I was like, all right, I got to move out of here. I can't keep seeing you guys outside of work. No, that's you called know? reporting. That's, yeah, that's called networking. I saw Garrett you, Wilson you, at McDonald's one time, and of- I, I tackled him. You have a gold line of sources. Every Dude, time I'm you just, go to, to I'm just trying to get some grapes, some almond milk, and some and cereal, no. man. And kale. Garrett. And you move to Dublin, where there's not going to be any Ohio State players anywhere near there. I saw Cam Babb, I think, one of the last times I went to that Target. And I was like, I was really happy to see him. And we had like a sort of little conversation about it. He, yeah. yeah. He was in good spirits. Well, exactly. I, mean, I can't report that. What am I going to say? Hey, I saw no, Cam Babb walking sourcing. around Target. No, but you can say, hey, man, Cam Babb. Tell me the secrets of the program. <laughs> Cam, I know you're just I know you're just trying to buy some some blankets and some sheets, but can you also tell me who at the Kroger? two is for? To at Target. No, or at Target. Target. Oh, Target. Yeah. Okay. To be fair, when I saw Garrett Wilson at McDonald's, I didn't ask Garrett Wilson for the secrets of the program. I just was like, oh. hey, you like fries. I like fries. Yeah. You'll be fry buddies. And then that was that. So anyway, back uh, to well, the defensive line. I was just saying, <laughs> I was saying that. I think this is, as you said it, this is like a thing to put a pin in and then see how it all adds up over the course of a month. And again, starting is not really what we mean. It means amount of snaps. We mean in the game at super important times. And again, given Larry Johnson's proclivities, which are I'm loyal to guys who have been here, which there's nothing wrong with that. He might really want to start Tyler Friday, Zach Harrison, um, Jerron Cage and Tron Vincent against Notre Dame, but in the middle of the third quarter, when Notre Dame's trying to march for the go-ahead touchdown, we'll have to see who's on the field. And it doesn't mean that those older guys won't be on the field, right? But, yeah. you know, I think the young guys are going to be in the mix, Stephen, right? First of all, I think it's hilarious that of how we're framing these things because it's like Larry wants to start the – defensive line that has two former five stars and another top 100 yeah. recruit and another guy who was in the three hundreds, but we want him to start this, these two five stars and another top 200 recruit and another guy who was lower in the ratings who has been better than his actual rating. But, but that's where we're at with it now. It's, it's, it's the, the, the tale as old as time with Ohio state. Do you play the old veterans who know what they're doing or do you play the young talented guy who maybe is still wet behind the ears, but his ceiling might be ridiculous. So, so let me, but let me ask real quick. Just quick yes or no. Will it surprise you if JT Tuimaloao starts the first snap of opening night? No. It would not surprise me. Would I pick it? Did we? We already did a podcast on this. Did any of us pick it? I can't remember. But I would not be surprised so. either way. Well, I would I not be say, surprised either way. So then I was going to say, would you be surprised if Zach or if Jack Sawyer started over Zach Harrison? That's what it night? is. The other three would shock me given Larry's reputation, even if I don't know about shock, but it would surprise me. 
it would okay fine it would surprise me but even if you know it made sense from a who are the better players conversation but but i will say if notre dame has the ball in the third quarter of a game that is within a touchdown would it surprise me if jt wasn't on the field at some point for that drive for the ohio state defense yes that would surprise me quite a bit. Is that a, is that a distinction? Like the chips are down. Let's go. We're 60 snaps into this game. It's 21-21, and Notre Dame's coming out on the field on the 25-yard line. Do I expect JT to be on the field for that play? Yes, I do. Yes, yes, yes. Which, which is kind of actually the conversation that – it's not yes. really a starter conversation. It's who's your best 11 when it matters against a good opponent. And I think we think JT's part of that. And that's probably and static on the back end. That's probably static in the back seven. But I think it's it's different on the front four. And I don't know, but I also, I don't know that I would, I don't think Zach Harrison, Tyler Friday, Jerron Cage and Tron Vincent like won't be involved in that drive. Right, I don't think it'll be like, well, we're playing the young guys. That's it. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Teron, for your contributions. Like we're going with young guys in the whole second half. No, that's not what I expect either. But I, but I think um, it's a Zach you know, on third conversation. And, yeah, on third and five, and who's you on need the field? Somebody to make a play. If you, no one's debating whether JT is going to be out there. It's a, is it Jack or is it Zach? And I think that's the one where. It doesn't matter as long as it's one of those two and not the other guys you, you named off. With all and again, frankly, on third down, it might be all three of them. Yeah. Like Rushman package. Yeah. Cause I, I was, when they were, there was a point when they were going to appear where they were just like mix and matching everybody when they were in front of those trash cans. And I was just trying to see who was with who and who was doing what Caden Curry was like standing on one of them. Uh, Kenyatta Jackson was standing and Mario Abor, Jack Sawyer. And really I was trying to see if like they were going to put somebody inside who's usually outside. And I never saw it. So let, let me get to the larger point here that I think I want to make. Okay. Let's look at uh, the top the 13 defenders who played the most snaps for Ohio state last year. Here we go. Denzel Burke, one Ronnie Hickman, two Bryson Shaw, three Zach Harrison, four Cam Brown, five Tyreek Smith, six Cody Simon, seven Lathan ransom tied for seventh ninth, Tommy Eichenberg, 10th steel chambers, 11th Haskell Garrett, 12th to Ron Vincent, 13th to Roger Mitchell. So everybody from the top 13 is back except Haskell Garrett, Tyreek Smith, and Bryson Shaw. So 10 of the 13 guys that led the defense in snaps, Nathan, are back. And part of my question and sort of what we're thinking about this is, is this defense at a point where it's like, well, we got a new defensive coordinator. He makes $2 million a year. That's the big thing. We'll play the same guys. Or do they also need to put now Josh Proctor's back healthy. If he had been healthy, he takes Bryson Shaw's snap. That's one big thing, of course, but is playing the same guys the best way for this defense to improve? Or do you need at the end of this season, Tyleek Williams and Jack Sawyer and 
um, JT Tumaloa and maybe Chip Trainum or, I mean, Tanner McAllister will be in there, Jordan Hancock, right? What does your top 13 need to look like that 10, 10 of the spots are already taken if you play the same guys? So that's sort of what I'm wondering, Nathan, which would lead us to, well, maybe it does need to be some younger guys because maybe it's not quite just run back the same dudes. Well, I, I, I think the difference is last year's defense, there were no, I would argue, no stars. Like there were people that you think could be stars, JT Tuomaloal, Denzel Burke, guys who could like turn into that. But even people like Ronnie Hickman was very productive. I wouldn't call him like a star. Maybe I'm a tough grader on, on what constitutes a star. You know what I'm saying? Zach Harrison was, I guess, kind of close to that. But even he, like you talk about, we can talk about how productive he is, but still not getting there in the pass rush, that sort of thing. Like they need someone to turn into a star on this defense. Multiple people, probably. They need to have some guys take steps. And that's, you can play the same guys, but you're you're, you're lumping everybody in where it's some guys like Zach Harrison, maybe like Teron Vincent and Jaron Cage, who are closer, who last year were closer to the finished product that they are right now the same pr- person that they are right now with a bunch of guys like Burke and Tumalo out and Sawyer and Tyleek Williams who were just getting started and who knows what kind of growth there could have been in the past year and what that could mean for who they are this year. So you're playing the same guy, but you're not playing the same guy potentially with some of those, especially Tumalo out because of just how quickly he had to go from being um, in the Hawaiian shirt at the airport to starting in games. Part of the issue is Steven, it's, it's not, Bryson Shaw was not projected to be a starter and wound up playing starter snaps because right. of injuries. Yeah. So it's like, that's the obvious change. And then Tyreek Smith is gone. So that opens room, right? For a second and to get a lot more snacks, snaps. Maybe that's JT snacks and then too. Haskell and then snacks. Yeah. The Jack and Zach snack attack and sack attack brought to you by GoPuff. Isn't GoPuff one of the things is like when NIL opened, everybody was like, hey, I have a GoPuff deal. And I was like, I don't know what GoPuff is. And I guess that's the whole point. Now I'm giving GoPuff free ads. But I, I don't, don't know, know what GoPuff does. I don't know either. I, to be honest with you, the people dropping the ball here are 7-Eleven. I just don't understand how you have in contact oh. with CJ and Jackson yet. Oh. Oh. It's the easiest are you, thing to do in the world. Are you leaving us to be an NIL advisor? That's interesting. I think there's um, some good money in it. <laughs> I mean, can, can I just uh, believe it or not, believe it or not, I actually have a 7-Eleven point that I wanted to bring up today and I had forgot to do it. And then Steven just did it. Did you guys know that 7-Eleven bought Speedway? Because there's a Speedway on Lane Avenue that I went in to get a drink today and the cup said big gulp and yes. i thought did this speedway turn into a 7-eleven and then i was looking around at all the signage and because i have a speedway a uh, little card you know you get a after seven drinks you get a free drink and it's like no it is still speedway but their drinks are called big gulps and i was like did 7-eleven disappear and speedway bought the name and it i just googled it and May of 2021, 7-Eleven complete speedway acquisition of 3,800 convenience stores, Nathan. Is this not earth-shaking? How did we miss this? 
It's not earth shaking. No, the, con- the consolidation of the convenience store market is not a primary topic on Buckeye Talk. I don't Apparently not. Anymore. I mean, it's been it happened a year ago. Where were you? I know going? we're dropping the ball. This is like not, I went. I, I'm failing. This is, yeah, this is this is on you. I'm sorry. This is on you. There are things that I'm supposed to bring to the table. There are things Stephen is supposed to bring to the table. You are the you are on the convenience store beat here. That's fair. I'm doing. I'm, I'm the lead guy on the team, and Steven's the lead guy on recruiting, and you're the lead guy on Fountain Drink. Nonsense. I'm lead nonsense writer at Cleveland.com. Uh, layoffs continue. The combining of Seven Eleven Speedway. It's just I hit consolidation, right? You should have competition in the convenience store market, not consolidation, because now every convenience store in the world is going to be all the same. It's going to drive prices up. It's bad for consumers. It's bad for. Uh, employees because all of a sudden you consolidate HR departments and all that stuff. So I didn't, I, this was, but it came, it became real for me today when I used a big gulp cup to get my diet Coke at Speedway. So if anybody else had that experience, please let us know. Be a tech subscriber, 614-350-3315. Please don't, no, 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 don't do that. Or tweet at Steven underscore means and tell him what you think about convenience store consolidation. I would say tweet at him, tweet at him, but also DM him just to make sure. Yeah, because it's unreliable. It's unreliable. I promise. Did you see my tweet? I promise. If you tweeted at me some 7-Eleven stuff, I I don't block people on Twitter because I don't like giving people that satisfaction. I mute them so they don't know I did it. I will block you on Twitter if you tweet at me 7-Eleven stuff. Schedule them. You can schedule the the tweets. I would schedule them all for about (laughs) like 4 a.m. Convenience store consolidation and what Stephen Mains thinks about it. Because you want it to be when he can be completely focused on the messages coming in. So like four, four thirty. So in the end, I do think we have to see some changes. Like we're talking about, oh, will they play young guys? But like Nathan, I think the answer is going to be yes, because in the end, if the general evaluation is the defense needs to be better and 10 of your top 13 guys in snaps last year are back, I don't know that the solution is keep playing all the same guys. Cause I think some of these young guys just need to play more. And that means some old guys will play less. So it's like, I think the headline should be how Ohio state's defense needs to be like buying a fountain drink at speedway because it's coming in a different cup now. Oh yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, you know, Zach, would you say this defense is coming in a different cup? <laughs> what? You used, you used <laughs> way too many Southern accents on this show to not have known what truck nuts were. I did look at them. I cannot believe, A, that that's a business. B, that someone did a podcast about it. I mean, it like, it a, was the business. Like, it's, what's it's the business comedy, model? It's, oh, it's like it's a comedy a, history podcast. It's like, it's, oh. it's, it's a history podcast by two comedians. So they're just like, one of them... It, the premise of it, it would be an actually funny thing to apply to sports. It's like, cause they do sports topics once in a while. Like one of them reads a story from history and the other one doesn't know what it's going to be about. And is just sort of like reacting to the insane story that's being told. So like the story of truck nuts fits in well with that. Oh, you know, there are times when yeah. I just can't believe that this is part of what I do for a living. No, 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 no. But that's why people love us. It is. Come on. I know. Come I know. On. No, I, I love on. it. I'm, I'm enjoying it very much. But yeah, you know, if your journalism professors could see you now, they would yeah. be like, what is this? So, OK, so we do think in the end, Stephen, that idea. Right. And yeah. I do again. I think it applies to Jack Sawyer, JT Tumaloa, Tyleek Williams, J.K. Yeah. Johnson, Jordan Hancock are probably the 
five guys, it yeah. applies to the most. And then again, I guess if you want to slide in like Court Williams there, or maybe like not that they're young, but they're different, like Chip Trainum, maybe like Eichenberg wasn't in the top 13 snap guys. So, yeah. I mean, there's some other guys, but I think when we really talk about it, we're talking about the front four and the corners. Yeah, it's it's some of these guys, it's just like natural that they're going to slide up because they're older and those guys are gone, as you talked about. Like Tommy Eichenberg is naturally going to slide up in that snap count thing. The The question we're asking here are these guys who are it's, – it's all that question is always a second-year guy question. Are there second-year guys who need to skip the line in terms of snap counts? And it seems like on offense that is happening for those guys. The answer is yes, even if it's not necessarily in a starting role – we're still asking that question with a lot of these second year guys on defense, whether that's a yes or a no, even if we think the answer should be yes. But the Eichenberg, but, but, the Eichenberg thing is interesting though, because he started the year on a trajectory to be in the top 12 in snap counts and Cody Simon took his job. Yep. And so now both those guys are back. So is that's a position. That's a great position. It's kind of a microcosm of this. It gets the same guys back. Do you play at a higher level than you played at last year? Are you part of the solution this year? I'm sorry. Actually, Tommy Eichenberg is in the top 13. I guess I left him out. I apologize. So, um, but But his snaps snaps were so inconsistent. His snaps were so, it was like a lot. Then it kind of disappeared. Then he was the defensive MVP of the Rose Bowl. So there, there are a lot of like, but the thing is like on offense, there's nobody who played on offense last year who we think maybe they won't play this year because the young guy's going to take snaps from him. Right. That's, that's not what we think. Right. But, but on defense, we think it might be a couple guys. Yeah, like it's not it's not like we think, oh, like someone a tackles coming and Dewan Jones. Oh, he might not play yeah. as much. You're like, oh, someone's coming, um, you know, to take Travion snaps or, you know, it's not they don't have a tight end who's really going to leap up. And we think steal like mm-hmm. all of Cade Stover's snaps or whatever. It's just on offense. There's a little bit more of a the guys that are back are going to start. And then the guys who are moving up are filling spots because Olave mm-hmm. and Wilson are gone. And here come the new receivers. And that's how this works. And on defense, it's like there's actually kind of a decent number of guys back. But, um, you know, I don't know if that means that they're going to play as much as last year. And it doesn't mean that they vanish, but it means that maybe they're because you can't have young guys go up without a couple of veterans having their role decrease, not vanish, mm-hmm. but decrease. It felt like last year it was, hey, this isn't working. Let's try this guy. Let's try whatever. Whereas this year, I think it needs to be more, okay, that guy's actually doing an all right job, but this guy's pushing him out anyway. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's moving him along. Like it's just, it's his time. This is like yeah. B level. We've got A. We need to go to A. Very much so. Like, again, let's just see if let's throw something against the wall and let's see if it sticks. While well, this year, the, make it intentional that you're doing certain things. The guys who are back, who were among the top 13 in snaps last year Denzel Burke one, Ronnie Hickman two, Zach Harrison four, Cam Brown five, Cody Simon and Lathan Ransom seven, Tommy Eichenberg nine, Steel Chambers 10, Teron Vincent 12, and Taraja Mitchell 13. So you can let that roll around in your head. Nobody thinks Denzel Burks not going to play a ton for this team. Nobody thinks uh, Ronnie Hickman's not going to play a ton for this team, but then you can get into some guys where again, maybe, maybe it goes down a little bit instead of up because other guys are coming. Okay. We have a market down Monday. That'll be our next pod. We will drive the bus next week. 
I extended a podcast invite to someone on Friday and man, would I love to make that happen. And I will push to make that happen in the next two weeks. We'll see if that works or not. But as always, we appreciate you guys listening to Buckeye Talk 614-350-3315. We'd love you to try the College Football Survivor Show. If you haven't, next week, we plan to be talking about USC and Utah on that show and whether they should be in the playoff mix at all. And that's two teams that Ohio State fans, listen, just played Utah, got the eyeball on them a little bit. Utah has a chance to make the playoff. Like it could have been the Rose Bowl last year was a preview of a semifinal this year. And all of a sudden, you know, guess what? Pay attention to USC. So they're going to matter a lot to Ohio State fans sooner than later. For Nathan Baird, for Stephen Means, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>